Oriental Motor UK's podcasts are a convenient and accessible resource for anyone involved in specifying and buying motors, drives or actuators for industrial applications. I'm Paul Jempson, new business analyst at Oriental Motor UK. In each podcast, I discuss a wide variety of market sectors served by Oriental Motor. Together with hosts Nicole Piaz-Turner and Caroline Hayes, we explore a range of products with considerations for choosing the most appropriate motors for the automation of many applications, including food production and packaging, pharmaceutical products, scientific and laboratory machines, and even automation in the entertainment and travel industries. Some of the examples discussed might really open your eyes. Lovely to speak to you again, Paul, and we still can't meet up in person, which is obviously disappointing, but I think with that in mind, um, the last 12 months, I mean, goodness me, they've really changed everything we do, haven't they? Uh, Yeah, I think I would definitely agree with that, to be honest. (laughs) Um, I think at this point, everybody has heard terms like uh, unprecedented times or similar uh, so often that they've probably become a bit numb to it. Um, it seems to have been particularly overused in uh, advertising, I think, where a softly spoken voice opens with uh, in these unprecedented times or uh, in these difficult times. And then going on to reassure the audience that uh, we are there for you before saying how much their burger or trainers or games console will help us all to get through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already become a little bit of a cliche, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Yeah. But um, I think the truth of the matter is, though, that uh, it really has been an unprecedented year. There hasn't been an international pandemic event on this sort of scale for over a century, and the world is a very different place now than it was back then. I think this is uh, certainly the largest event of this magnitude in modern times, and Mm. the impact on society as a whole has been huge, as we're all very much aware. Um, What I want to talk about today is, is really how this impact has been felt in the automation industry. Which areas of automation have carried on as usual and done okay, or even grown during the last 12 months? And conversely, which areas have not done quite so well? As a motor manufacturer that supplies into a wide range of industries, Oriental Motor has been able to get a a real view of the trends taking place across a wide range of sectors during this period. I imagine there's quite a few. Taking the first point first, which areas of automation have suffered over the last year, Paul? Well, I think essentially any manufacturer that supplies into industries that are not classed as essential. An easy way to put this into context is perhaps to think about the types of consumer businesses that have been closed or extremely limited, perhaps, um, during the duration of lockdown and work backwards from there up the supply chain. Um, A couple of areas that spring to mind for me are the entertainment industry and the travel industries. Um, There may be other non-essential industries that typically make more use of automation, Um, but many people will be feeling the lack of their favourite things in entertainment or the lack of travel over the last few months. So I'll delve into those areas a little bit. Um, You might be thinking to yourself that there can't be that much automation involved in those two industries. 
But as I covered in a previous podcast, automation is a lot more involved in the common everyday things around us than most people probably realize. Yeah, I mean, we've all missed entertainment. I mean, that's one that comes to mind straight away, concerts and theatres. And the promoters and venues have obviously felt like massive losses. But tell us about, you know, the automation industry in relation to that, you know, in in relation to those sectors, because that's going to have a knock on effect as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we start off with, say, the the entertainment industry, of course, it's a very, very broad industry that encompasses a huge variety of different formats and different media. Um, But um, if we perhaps look at live venues and attractions, such as theatres, museums, um, theme park type attractions, um, we supply motors into a few prop making companies Mm -hmm. that design and manufacture pieces for these kind of places. It's um, it's low volume work compared to industrial manufacturers, um, but it's incredibly creative, detailed and complex work. Um, they'll commonly purchase high volumes of stepper motors for use in a single animatronic puppet for fine detail control. Um, they might also use stepper motors to animate figures in dioramas and displays, um, something like our PK or PKP series with um, with some of our fine detail drivers. Um, they might use some brushless DC motors like our BMU series to move larger pieces in the dioramas, such as vehicles or maybe larger creatures or that kind of thing. And of course, all of this work at this time has been completely on hold. <clears throat> it's a real shame, isn't it, that this kind of creativity is being lost or on hold, as you say. But what about other entertainment areas like the arcade games, I think you mentioned? Yeah, yes, indeed. Yeah, I would say so. Um, games, arcades, they've they've seen a huge resurgence in popularity in recent years, actually. Um, they're often incorporated into other venues these days, like bowling alleys or malls, that kind of thing. People will probably have seen them there rather than a dedicated arcade, even though there are a few of those around. Um Games arcade machines have changed a lot in the last decade or so. Um, Homes game consoles and gaming PCs have become far more advanced in recent years. And then when you combine that with ever larger and better quality, higher resolution TVs, there's less of a reason or less of a demand to go into an arcade to play those types of games than there was a few years ago. Um, As a result, arcade games manufacturers have turned back to games with more physical moving parts, with uh, updated or new versions of the types of machines that were popular further back in the past. Um, Grabber-type machines where you can win a stuffed toy, or machines with moving platforms where you shoot the prizes off shelves, and and many other crazy and brilliant designs. these machines also typically incorporate stepper motors and the, the smoothness of motion that you can get from our CVK drivers, for example, make them perfect so that uh, the prizes don't wobble off the shelves as they're moving around and that sort of thing. Um, similarly, stepper motor driven actuators um, are really good for, for moving the various brightly coloured parts covered in lights around the machine. Um, and again, over, over this last year, a lot of that kind of manufacturing has been completely on hold. Um, of course, this is just a couple of examples out of you know the, the very wide range of different areas in the entertainment industry. I think you could probably run a whole series of podcasts just about how electric motors are used in entertainment. So um, maybe we should move on before we get too caught up in this area. Absolutely. I mean, you also mentioned the travel industry, which, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that 
how that fares up. You know, is everyone going to rush to get on a plane and fly away? <laughs> or, you know, tell us about how the lack of travel has affected motor manufacturers. That must have been big. Yeah, um, I, I really do think so, actually. Um, although perhaps not in ways people might expect. Mm. Um, I mean, when you think about travel, you, you probably think about the mode of travel first. Just holidays, Paul. I just think about holidays. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, and my lack uh, of one. <laughs> I, I'm sure we, can't, we all can't wait to get to one of those again. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, but if you think about how you get there, you know, your mode of travel, you're going to be thinking of aeroplanes and airports, uh, ferries, cruise ships. Um, you might even be wondering where I'm going with this, because surely those planes and ships are just going to be sat around waiting for the day that they can get the green light to start moving people again. You know, the, the airports and the docking ports aren't going anywhere. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that. But I'm not really talking about just the planes and the ships and the buildings themselves, but rather all the the little things that go into the wider context around travel and around those places. Mm. So let's take something that everybody who's been on a plane knows, airplane meals. Um, of course, there have been jokes about how bad they are for decades, though, honestly, I think that reputation is probably something that's carried over from the past and maybe not as deserved anymore. Um, well, there are whole subsections of the food manufacturing industry that are dedicated to producing those single serving food items. God, yeah. You know, the, 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 the individual little packets of cheese and ham, that sort of thing, um, the drinks and the trays and bags that are used to serve them in or on. Also, if you think about what you see inside the airports or on ferries and cruise ships, think about all the duty-free products you might see. Mm. Um, and sure, a lot of them are standard products that you can just buy in your supermarket or online, but a surprisingly large portion of them are produced specifically for those specialist locations. Um, each of them will have their own dedicated production lines, and most of which are currently sat empty or virtually empty. Um, another area, talking about the vehicles, um, is the maintenance of those aeroplanes and ships. Um, these require specialist components manufactured to rigorously high standards, as you would certainly hope for an aviation or seafaring vehicle. Um, these specialist requir uh, components require specialist manufacturing processes, high specification machinery, all of which has got greatly reduced demand at the moment compared to normal times. Um, again, as with entertainment, this is only really a small snapshot or a subsection of the travel industry. But um, perhaps these examples are enough to get you thinking about the, uh, the sheer scale of the issue. Mm. Um, if you then consider all the other types of business that have been closed during the lockdown period in the same way as I've just done for you know, just a couple of small areas of entertainment and travel, you can begin to see just how big the downtime across all these industries really has been. It's not just the consumer businesses themselves, but the entire supply chains that go into feeding them all behind the scenes. Yeah, and it's it's it has been devastating. I think it's that's why I always really enjoy talking to you, Paul, as I'm sure Caroline does too, because I think what's been really educational on talking to Oriental Motor over the you know, the past few podcasts we've done is looking at all these different sectors and the sort of, you know, the backstory behind it. And I think everyone in community and across the country has now realized how many things are affected by how many things i mean it has been devastated but i'm sure there have been areas of automation that have been busy over the last year haven't there oh definitely definitely <laughs> surely uh, <laughs> yeah it's 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 not all a side story but um I mean, as I, as I touched on before, Oriental Motor supplies into a very broad range of industries 
um, with electric motors and drives. Mm -hmm. So while some areas of our customer base have seen a large downturn during this period, a number of our customers have actually seen a dramatic increase in demand. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these industries I've talked about in quite a lot of detail when I was a guest on your previous podcasts, um, such as the food production industry and food packaging to go along with it. Then there's the pharmaceutical and medical production industry, and again, the packaging that goes along with that. Um, Plus, there are certain areas of the scientific and laboratory machine industries, um, which have seen very high demand as uh, essential industries over the last year as well. So all of those industries make make sense in the scientific and laboratory increase. But if people aren't eating out, how how does the food production have seen a boost? Well, really, it's been the demand for consumer home foods that skyrocketed. Um, As people have not been able to eat out, they're they're doing it themselves. So this is going to be things like packaged food products in supermarkets, ready meals, that sort of thing. Um, As I touched on before, we we supply into a number of manufacturers of food production machinery. Um, These machines make use of AC induction motors fairly typically and brushless DC motors for conveyor belt systems and the like, Um, all of them needing high ingress protection ratings so they can withstand washdown. Like our FPW series, for example, they're a powder coated motor that you can, you know, you can sink them underwater with an IP67 rating. Um, You won't normally need that on a production line, but they can do it if you need them to. Mm. Some of these uh, machines also make use of classic open-loop steppers like our CVK series um, and sometimes even more advanced closed-loop steppers like our AZ series for um, the more complex axes on food production machines. Um, I'm now thinking back to the example we talked about um, uh, last time uh, about how many automation processes go into making a chicken sandwich. Uh, we went through that in quite a lot of detail. I mean, how many machines were involved in that before yeah. uh, before we got to the end of the process? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, the, the, as these are all key areas in our product range, we've we've had a really quite clear view of the growth of this sector during this time. And also, would you say that, um, I mean, obviously we haven't been able to eat out, but a lot of restaurants, certainly in my area, have been doing takeout. And a lot of them have had to change up the way that they sort of do, you know, because they've almost become fast food restaurants that are then fast food because they're doing takeout for customers. I mean, some of these, you know, get a roast dinner at the weekend. There's a lot of roast going out. And some of these places, honestly, though, I mean, they've have there been any customers where they've literally had to sort of, diversify what they do as a as a customer because if they're changing up their business a bit i'd imagine that is going to use some different resources as well yeah yes uh, we have seen some of that as well i mean <laughs> but believe it's making it or me not, hungry it's making me hungry. <laughs> but, but, but believe it or not one of our customers actually does those hog roasts on a spit type machines okay, and yeah. um and we have seen some uh, some notice for those as well um but um yeah, it's it's uh, it is strange time. It's different, um, isn't it? I mean, if food production has increased, does that mean that the food packaging industry has also been buoyant? Is that yeah. another area that's been good? Yeah, indeed, it, it needs to be packaged to be taken out to your supermarket shelves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the the food packaging industry has definitely seen a, a similar amount of growth to match production. Mm. Um, one of my customers who manufactures um, automated food packaging machines, I, I was having a conversation with him back in July, 
And at that time, he told me they normally have orders taking them to around September, October of the same year. And then they'll have a quieter winter season. Um, however, at that time, July last year, they had all the ways orders all the way through to this February already, you know, several months beyond their normal order backlog. And um, I spoke to them just last week and they still can't get machines out of the door fast enough now. So, you know, it's still going. Mm. Um, There's a huge variety of tray sealing machines used in food packaging as well as as that kind of machine. Um, They might use linear actuators to press the film down onto the filled food trays. So we've seen an increase in sales in that area. Um, there are also vacuum sealing machines that use a similar sort of um, um, process to press the film down as the air is sucked out. So our electric cylinders are, are pretty much perfect for that, our EAC series. Um, and um, then, of course, if you look at the wider food packaging industry, there are bagging machines, pouching machines, boxing machines, filling machines. And, of course, the ever-present conveyor belt systems that move any and all products from one place in the production facility to the next. Um, fortunately, we, we've got supplies into companies for pretty much all of the products I've just mentioned and all of those processes. So, yeah, we've, we've witnessed many of them go into high levels of growth this year. Well, it's good that you're keeping the, the nation's stomachs filled. With <laughs> <laughs> doing a good job of keeping yeah, us fed. We do appreciate it. <laughs> as, as, long as, uh, as long as my favourite stuff's still available on the shelf, I'm happy. That's right. <laughs> but the, the other side, of course, is the pharmaceutical side, which has also been uh, very busy and, and varied. Um, some must have been working extra hard, I'd imagine, um, have there been any positive stories from Oriental on this sector as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, similar to the food industry, the pharmaceutical industry has, has grown hugely over the last year. I mean, unless you've been living in a cave somewhere for the last few months, you'll be very aware about the horrible COVID-19 situation we've all been facing. Um, a key and really important area in combating this virus is the development and subsequent mass production of vaccines. Mm. Um, we supply into a few companies that are involved in the sector. Um, and uh, one area in particular where we've seen a sudden boom is with our brushless DC motors. Um, this is because these these motors are perfect for mixing large quantities of liquids and solutions evenly um, with constant speed through different volumes and viscosities of liquid. Um, something like our BMU series or BLE2 series is perfect for this. Um, now, with the demand for as much vaccine as can be possibly made, as quickly as it can be possibly made, um, orders have increased dramatically in that area. Um, one customer of ours in particular, UK-based manufacturer, is manufacturing several million doses of vaccine each week using these motors. Goodness me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's great to see. Mm. Um, then, of course, there's all the packaging um, for the doses of the vaccine that needs to be manufactured so it can be distributed. Then, you know, the, the um, doses need to be filled. They need to be packaged. They need to be boxed for shipment. So just like with the food industry, there's, there's that entire side of things as well after the production of the product itself. Um, and then as well as the high number of uh, vaccine doses, huge numbers of COVID vac- uh, COVID-19 tests have been needed. And of course, these all need to be manufactured as well. Mm. Then you need the sampling and testing machines to analyse all of these completed test kits. So we're leading into the scientific and laboratory equipment manufacturing industries now as well. Um, 
on a previous podcast, I did go into a little bit of detail about those machines in that industry, um, talking about how the highly accurate low-vibration stepper motors are needed for the uh, X, uh, XY tables, along with uh, linear and rotary actuators to move the uh, dosing and testing equipment. So this is, again, another sector in which we've seen grow to accommodate the demand over the last year. I mean, that's, and I, I think that, you know, the vaccine... We seem to be doing an amazing job, so it's amazing how when we do run smoothly, we do run smoothly, isn't it? I mean, that's also really painted a picture of some automation industries that have had to wind down during the pandemic, and which industries, on the other hand, have had to really wind up. Um, now that it looks like we are going to hopefully move on into a post-COVID world over the next few months, what do you see happening as far as automated production is concerned? Okay, um... Well, do you know what? I'm actually going to go out on a limb a little bit here and tell you that I don't really know. What? <laughs> well, That's not an answer I hear from you often, Paul. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, that might come as a bit of a surprise given the title of today's podcast and given that that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. Um, but I think the truth of the matter is that nobody really knows for certain exactly how things are going to pan out in the automation industry and industries as a wider picture over the next year and further forward. That said, however, we can make some educated guesses based on what has happened over the last 12 months. The first thing that is immediately apparent is that the industries which boomed during the pandemic period have produced far more machinery than they normally would over the equivalent or normal 12 months to meet the higher than normal demand. Is that... Is that going to be a good thing? So when life gets closer to how it was before the pandemic, does that mean there's going to be excess machines on the market and little demand for machines? How will that impact you, do you think? Well, it may be the case that actually, because there is a excess of those machines in the market, um, that those manufacturers who boomed during that time may not have so much demand in the next 12 24 months that follow because the there is um you know there's going to be a bit of a glut of the machines they make floating around um and when the demand tails off there'll be an excess of the machines that filled that short-term demand um However, alternatively, it, it may just be the case that many facilities have simply upgraded to newer, more modern and more efficient equipment um, faster than they would otherwise have done so. Or perhaps it's a little bit of both of those things. Either way, I suspect that in those industries, the industries that were classed as essential during the pandemic, there is likely to at least be some lower levels of production across the board than in a normal year, simply due to the sheer volume of new machinery that they've made that is now in the market. Yeah, I mean, what about the manufacturers and industries that had limited or reduced levels of production or were unable to trade entirely during this period? What about those guys? Yeah, really hard times. Mm. Um I mean, unfortunately, that the reality is that a percentage of those businesses may not have survived the last 12 months. Mm. Um, and that's a really horrible thing to see. And I, I sincerely wish anyone who has had problems with their employment or difficulties with their business um, during this time the very best of luck getting back on their feet. Mm. Um, that said, those manufacturers of goods that have been seeing downtime because they've been classed as non-essential but have made it through this and come out the other side will we may find that their goods are suddenly very much in demand again as the industries 
um, that they supply into suddenly spring back after lockdown ends. Um, Maybe they're going to have their own boom over the next year, which, of course, would be absolutely fantastic. And, well, I mean, from our side of things, if they do boom and they have got great need, we're we're really well placed to supply those businesses with the motors that they need for their uh, automation machinery. Um, But whatever ends up happening, it's going to be a very interesting time and it's going to be very interesting to see exactly how things play out in the UK manufacturing sector over the next year or so. Um, It won't be possible to be as proactive in our planning as we would generally like to be. Um, So we're going to have to ensure that we are reactive to changes in demand and trends that arise instead. And and again, fortunately, our supply chain is robust enough that we're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that's one thing that a lot of businesses have said in these and so many other podcasts, haven't they, Nicole, that you've got to pivot, think on your feet. You've got to be an agile business to have got through this terrible, these unprecedented times. (laughs) But I do think, (laughs) but I do think there's also, like you've just touched on there, Paul, that the, um, you know, suddenly when things go back to normal, there'll be an urge for, there'll be an urgency for what hasn't been there as well. So it, it could suddenly surge in other areas, couldn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah I do think so. Mm. So, so when things do stabilise, if not get back to normal, what do you think will be the long term impacts and, and the changes that might see in the UK automation and manufacturing market? Well, I think that there will be some differences that, become apparent very quickly um, and some may well at least partially be in place already. Um, I mean we've been dealing with this for a year now um, in fact I think it was the anniversary yesterday or the day before um, and a year is a long time as far as changing people's mindsets and behaviours is concerned and uh, recent events have impacted the entire population in one way or another um, and that's a lot of people who've you know had their habits changed in the last year. Um, People may not be as comfortable working in close proximity with others as they have in the past, um, which is likely to make many sectors have to take this into account when planning their offices or their workspaces. And this, of course, includes manufacturing. Now, automation was always going to expand in manufacturing over time. And um, the UK has always been one of the leading countries in the world as far as manufacturing processes are concerned. Mm. Um, I think that we've seen over the last year, what we've seen over the last year is going to accelerate this process greatly. And it'll have the combined aims of optimising increasing productivity as it always has, but also adding more than ever the safety and comfort of workers into the equation. How this is likely to look is an increase in manufacturing robots on factory floors, um, probably working alongside workers, and uh, increasing workflow efficiency as well. Um, we've seen an increase in interest in our AZ series of servo stepper motors as a, uh, as a result of this renewed interest in robots. As I, um, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, mm-hmm. they are exactly the kind of product manufacturers are using to create their own robot arms in-house. Um, another area likely to see strong growth is automated guided vehicles or AGVs. These mobile robots have already seen vast implementation in factories and warehouses over the last few years, 
Um, some of our largest customers in Europe are AGV manufacturers who already use our low voltage uh, brushless DC motors for their AGV designs, something like our BLH series or BLV series. Um, these automated vehicles will take the load off workers and greatly eff increase efficiency um, with the added bonuses of contributing to increased premises safety as far as distancing is concerned. Okay, so if, I mean, if all this automation comes into effect, isn't there a risk that people's jobs in manufacturing may disappear? I mean, it's a fairly common concern that you hear. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I mean, working in the industry I work in, I've heard that concern as well. It's mm. it's come up with customers I've spoken to, and it's come up with friends and relatives, actually, a few times. Mm. Um, I can completely understand where that kind of fear might come from. Um, however, personally, I don't believe it's particularly likely in the long term. Uh, instead, I think, in my opinion people's jobs in manufacturing will change and they'll incorporate robots and robotics more and more. Um, rather than having fewer people in manufacturing due to automation, I, I believe that automation will grow and increase efficiency alongside humans. Um, I'm trying to think of a equivalent. Um, okay, here's a parallel of, of sorts. If we look at a different industry where automation has become so ingrained, so integrated and so everyday normal that people don't even really consider it to be automation it's just normal life for them now um i'm i'm talking about the introduction of computers into workplaces mm. the computerization of data handling and how it's massively reduced paperwork over the years and facilitated far greater handling analysis and understanding of information and data you might not think of it as automation, but in reality, it is. It's just software automation. Now, if you look at, back at when computers were first being integrated in offices, um, there were headlines or articles touting how they were going to make office workers redundant. Jobs would be lost in their thousands as administration staff, secretaries and office workers were put out of their jobs by the computer menace. Um, I mean, doesn't that sound laughable today? Yeah. Um, well, while in reality, what, what changed was that rows of filing cabinets gradually became databases on desktop PCs. Um, some large office buildings had entire floors dedicated to the storage of paper, um, you know, entire floors full of, of filing cabinets, or even for particularly large companies, entire warehouses. Um, and over time, those facilities have gradually turned into, you know, data center servers. Um, I'm sure that some individuals' jobs at the time when they were first brought in were affected, but overall jobs weren't really lost, not in the long term. In reality, jobs changed over time. I mean, there are, there are plenty of people working in offices all around the UK and all around the world to testify to that. Mm. Um, it's just that all of those processes that were previously done on paper became far more efficient when they were transferred to computers. Mm. And uh, in this age, when computers are so essential to our daily lives, I don't think anyone can really look back and say that those mountains of paperwork, which uh, may have almost literally been mountains in some of the uh, yeah. cases, um, I, don't, I don't think you could possibly really say that was better than the systems we run on computers today, could you? Mm. So, I mean, so much of what we do now simply wouldn't have been possible if we were still trying to work on paper like mm. we were back then. So, you know, comparatively, I think that in the not so distant future, we might be looking back at articles speculating now 
that automation may be taking away workers' jobs in the near future. And we may look at that in the same way, now, same way that we now look about those opinions and articles about computers when they were being introduced. Mm. You know, I think it, it, in reality, it's more likely that it'll be almost laughable that we were even worried that, um, you know, that automation was going to take jobs. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to see what comes over the next few years, of course. Um, maybe they'll be looking back at some point in the future at the changes in automation that came into place after the events of, uh, of 2020 as a, a key step in those changes. You never know. I, yeah, I certainly hope so. And I think that's very, very true. And that kind of made me think about things like even things like Spotify and Netflix. And, you know, there was a time when everything was on disc and everything, mm. you know, and there would have been someone manufacturing that and making that and libraries. Like I remember talking to someone about Spotify saying, imagine having all your things in one place. Mm. And it's the same as what you said there. So there's, you know, with change, there comes a, comes about new opportunity, doesn't there? Which is fantastic and oriental motor will be there to provide <laughs> certainly hope so <laughs> yeah i'm sure we will of course we're we're we're, uh, we're still growing we're growing year on year even now so i've no doubt we'll be around thank you for listening to this podcast if you like this podcast please subscribe at apple or spotify for more information on the wide range of compact electrical motors and drive systems, as well as design or specification support for asynchronous, brushless DC, stepper and servo motors, linear motion actuators and fans, all for use in a wide range of specialist markets and industry sectors, visit www.oriental-motor.co.uk.